Uh, I guess I'll introduce it then. Hey, everyone, this is Network Special, a podcast about things on TV that were only supposed to be shown once or twice, but now, thanks to the internet, we have them forever. I'm Zachariah Durr. And I'm Nathan Shear. And we are going to be talking about a little movie called Too Legit, The MC Hammer Story from 2001. This aired on VH1. Um, And simultaneously on BET. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and this is apparently VH1's number two highest rated movie. Number one? I don't know. It didn't say number one. Did they produce the Jackson 5 movie or was that ABC? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I think that would probably be a big, a bigger <laughs> play. Glad we did our research. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that just sounds so funny. It's like the number two and then you were like, eh, I guess I won't look any further than it that. That's all I need to know. It did not have a link. <laughs> and I was reading other stuff. <laughs> That's all I wanted to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, this has a lot of uh, memories for me because I remember watching this when it first aired, actually. Sure. Well, it was only uh, 18 years ago. Yes. Um, And I was a big uh, MC Hammer fan. So this was um, very exciting to me to, to see how he got his start. How did they not call fans hammerheads? <laughs> um, or did they? That's a good. That's that's a good question. <laughs> they didn't address that in this movie. Okay. About why they didn't go with that choice. So this is a straight. This is a straight biopic. This is as straight biopic as you can get. Like it is cradle to grave, basically. The grave just being. It ends in two thousand and one. Yeah, and it's... Oh, oh boy. Here we go. A lot of excitement <laughs> from one side of this. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> this is a late night record. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, 10, I, uh, p- 10 p.m. I think the sun's coming up. <laughs> yeah, you know, he he helped make this thing. So it, it has very... Uh, it's a very light kind of retelling of his life. Well, I, there was three things that made me realize this is not going to be good. <laughs> Number one, uh, too legit, spelled T-O-O. It's supposed to be the number two. Okay, well, that's that's the way it's spelled on the album. Yeah. it's No, I mean, on the album, it's spelled T-O-O. No, it's the number two. Well, I just listen to the album all morning <laughs> and when they're saying it they're saying t-o-o yeah, they're saying the number there's you know what you're completely you're completely re- why do i remember okay this is spelled two it's, different ways then. it's because i think it's because he, he does the dance with the what okay now now to be very fair i am looking at uh wikipedia which is not great so mm. The album, it looks like it's too legit to quit T-O-O, and the song is the number two legit number two quit. Hmm. That is weird. Do you think they did that for, like, record bins to alphabetize it? No, that doesn't maybe, make any sense. Maybe, like, Prince was still, like, doing wacky names. 
Maybe it was like the single, and then they were like, "Oh, let's just name the album the regular way to spell it." I guess so. It's too edgy. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So that was the first thing that threw me. Second thing. Second thing was when I saw the credit executive produced by MC Hammer. I was like, "Oh, Oh, we're not. This is not going to be uh, either good or even trashy." No, this is going to be very boring. This, there's never been a biopic that has been more authorized than this one. <laughs> the most authorized. <laughs> um, and the third thing that let me know we were in for an uh oh was I was I was thinking like oh this looks like a primarily African American cast. I wonder if it's they hired a black director to make it, and the director is Artie Mandelberg. <laughs> No, I, I haven't seen a picture of Artie, to be fair, could not find one, but I am guessing, well, number one, I'm guessing he plays the director in the movie because directors love doing that. Um, but also I'm going to assume that he is not a black gentleman. That's not his uh, Muslim name. <laughs> like I said, I, I don't know the person. so uh, yeah. Artie Mandelberg. <laughs> Get your mind off baseball and back on Jesus like your brother. Let's just jump in. The it it, it opens in Oakland, nineteen seventy four. Yeah. And the preacher, he's in a church and Little Hammer. Little, Little Hammer Stanley Burrell. Yes. And um, there's rapture preaching, and he's getting really anxious because he's trying to get to the baseball game. Yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> and he's... I, I, I'm trying to... The, the, the church congregation is interesting, too, because he seems to be the only kid who's like anxious to get out of church. Everyone else is like... All the other young teens are like call and response, just like everyone. They're getting up, they're out of their seat, but he's the only one who's thinking about baseball. Yeah. And so he runs out of the church, and the mom is powerless to stop him. Uh, She shakes her head, which is the proof that she has no power. (laughs) And... um, he to 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 further explain like where he comes from. He runs past a really annoyed prostitute and a drug deal, <laughs> and they're right next to each other. The prostitute and the drug deal. You're in broad daylight. Yeah, uh, right outside a um, I don't know, Mr. Hero or something. That's very Ohio for for yeah, everyone. Right. Sorry. Um, and then he's it. He's dancing outside the stadium for money. So that's why he's anxious. It's not necessarily the baseball. He's trying to get paid. Yeah. MC Hammer, as a youth, would stand outside the Oakland Coliseum where the Astros played and. No, the, the A's. The A's? Oh, yeah, Oakland, A's. Oakland A's. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, the Oakland A's. And he would dance. He would sell, I guess, baseballs that he found laying around. Man, ain't that Charlie Finley? Yeah, the owner. If he catches us, he'll hand our bus to the cops. My mom's gonna kill me. Hurry up. Ryan! Eventually, it attracted the attention of the team owner, 
God. I, I'm so tired. Like, I, I almost don't want to go through this movie beat for beat because it's so exhausting <laughs> to go through. It's so – I do not like biopics, the majority of biopics, because a writer has to feel like they're connecting all the dots in the story, right? Mm. Like, you watch some bad bio of Elvis Presley – yeah, it's little Elvis sitting in his house and his mom's like, get that hound dog out of here. We have to make dinner. And it's like, it's the same sort of thing where little MC Hammer uh, catches the attention of the the owner of, of the uh, Oakland A's, is taken into the locker room and immediately, immediately on walking into the room, somebody goes, hey, this guy looks like Hammer. Which was the nickname, I guess, of Hank Aaron. Yes, Hammer and Hank or something. Hammer and Hank. So then uh, Little Hammer becomes the Bat Boy yeah. for the Oakland A's. And is kind of like has this surrogate family in this baseball team. Yeah, they they love this guy. Are those played by the real uh, ball players? I did not look that up. No, but they are played by actors who seem like their real job is ball playing. <laughs> they are wooden enough that I assumed that they were all real athletes. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I, okay. I don't. Well, I mean, the 1970 <laughs> Oakland A's. Uh, I guess they would look a lot older. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind then. You think God ever talks to anyone in Oaktown like he did back then? Maybe in a burning car or something. You think God could talk to me in a three-run homer? Today, at the game, it was like God was telling me I'm going to be somebody. Hall of Fame, all that. Even a billion other black kids. It was the truth. I'm going to be somebody. And when I am, I'm going to do right by Oak Town. When I got money, all my friends are going to have money. Oh, so you're going to be like Moses and take all them baseball snaps and lead your people out of the hood? Yeah, that's right. Go back to Ben Stanley. So, he's... There's lots of points. I mean, like most of the um, the beats point to the fact that he's he comes from a, a rough neighborhood. He's and he's a hustler. Yes, like he's right. always working to make money. Right. And so one of those moments you're talking about, where it's like the hound dog moment, is he he goes into the stadium and he sees everyone clapping for the Oakland A's. And he, that's his first taste of the crowd. Yeah. And he just can't believe his eyes. And he goes home and he's like, God's telling me I'm going to be somebody. <laughs> and his brother's reading the Bible. So that that's a huge point of this biopic, too, is that he is very religious. He is. He's. It's a very church-centric movie. Um which makes sense, especially as in later in Hammer's life, he really leaned into Christian recording. Um, I, I guess he's an ordained minister. Yeah, yeah, I think. Well, I think. I mean, he, he is starts he's a out as a yeah. He starts out as a preacher and then moves into the music. But he's. I mean, the whole. I don't know. He's always had those Christian songs. Like on each album, he throws one or two. He throws God a bone <laughs> on one or two of the songs. <laughs> right. Um, but just, you know, he's he just can't figure out what he wants to do. He wants to be a baseball player. He wants to, he sucks at it. Um, he's a realtor. It doesn't seem like he's good at that either. 
but yeah, he decides that he's going to become a minister and he he's getting ready to preach and he decides this is where it all the biggest turning point is he decides he's going to make the worship music be really really upbeat and more gospel which i guess the church didn't already do gospel (laughs) this is one of those movies where it's a lot like sister act where a person is playing the organ very badly and then hammer basically says you should play the organ better. And then she does. She's like, why didn't we should have done this a long time ago? She's just amazing. (laughs) She turns it around. Yeah. And he's directing the choir and he's singing the song. Do not pass me by, which is, um, which my wife said that they sang at their church too. Wow. Um, pretty cool church. (laughs) Well, I, I don't know if, um, but that song was not recorded until way later, right? Or did he? Do you think he wrote that back then and it, then re-recorded it? I think it's a. It must be a real. It must be a traditional gospel song. You know, like like he didn't write it. I mean, he obviously wrote the rap that he does so very badly in this song. <laughs> wow, you're really going after. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm, oh, you're I, right. I okay. turned on the critic juice. <laughs> Written in 1868 okay. by, by Fanny Crosby. Wow. Look up a picture of Fanny Crosby. <laughs> Everyone? <laughs> she, I, uh, there's no not mean way to say this. She looks like a decoration in a haunted house. Whoa. Are you looking at this like, picture like, of her with glasses? She looks like uh, one of those things where someone, their family member has died. It's the they psycho. Have them, yeah. They have them propped up in their yep. house. Yes, this is uh Norman's mother from Psycho. Although I could see Hammer wearing those glasses. And that and that hair, that relax <laughs> that she has in her hair. Yeah, so this song, yeah, I, he I don't know if that's like he had this song this whole time. Um or if like he had a version of this song and then they just play the too legit to quit version because it's like that's his voice on there and they couldn't find an old recording. Yeah. I mean, I guess an important thing, if you want to do this, this music biopic is that you need to get the artist to executive produce it. If you want to use all of their music. Oh yeah. Yeah. What was, there was this, um, someone was telling me about this like mega death documentary or something where they had no rights to any of the music. <laughs> so it's all this wow. generic, like, Heavy metal in the background. <laughs> um, he's in, in, in during this performance. He also sees his wife that he's going to marry. Yeah, uh, which he proposes to her like the same day or something. <laughs> According to this, it was a lot like getting his nickname the second he stepped into that ball field. <laughs> yeah, and then he gets married to her like right away. Um, it they cut to 1986 in Oakland. They have a daughter now. And, um, this, yeah, this is so boring. There's like little tiny moments, like basically she inspires him to do music from a scripture that she's reading him. And, um, so he's trying to ask his brother to borrow some money and, um, just so they can record an album or a song. Um, his friend, one of his friends has a jerry curl. Have you ever noticed about jerry curl wigs 
in movies. Oh, it looks like one of his friends loves wearing wigs. It, it is. It looks so bad. And it is so wet. Like it is, it's like the, it's like coming to America. Like the, I mean, like, I don't have any, like, I can remember, I don't have any personal experience with knowing people like, like my friends in high school didn't have Jerry curls. They just shaved their heads or head fades or whatever, or, you know, bought the, the, the box top cut, but are Jerry curls that wet? Like, is that just a joke or are they really? I mean, ice cubes. I didn't think ice cubes was that dripping. <laughs> God, we are so freaking white. <laughs> I, well, I, I don't know. I haven't had a, I haven't had a processed hair. I don't know. Yeah, I know. It is a bad wig. I mean, what we're saying okay. is that it's, it's a bad. It looks like a, a, a Halloween wig photograph. This is his friend Freddie, who he grew up with. Yes, um, who you'll you'll hear a little bit more about later on. But he tries to get money from his brother. They're putting to, he's trying to put together a dance team. I mean, I'm looking at my notes, and I just have this note that just says, "I loved Hammer when I was a kid, but he is not a good rapper." That is what I wanted to ask you because I mean, just to fill people in, like what what is your experience with rap and hip hop personally? Well, I grew up as a hip hop kid, my you know, ever since I started watching Yo MTV raps. So I was that's all I did was listen to hip hop and and then I started doing music and ironically I not ironically, but coincidentally I did Christian rap as well as Hammer. Mm-hmm. Uh not as well as, as well. Hammer. Yeah. <laughs> also. So I have a, a little bit of a connection here but just i remember listening when i was a kid and like just thinking he was so good but when i listen now i understand why people dissed him and go into that why so (laughs) on on a technical level like is he bad technically is he just not interesting well we when you listen you can chalk some of it up to it being an old school more of an old school style but like, but at the time, people were still doing more advanced phrasings and stuff, where where his lyrics were just, you know, blah 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 blah. <laughs> so he was just like kind of yelling, and I I don't know when I listen to his albums, you get the sense it's almost as if like he had a robot that wrote these things for him that all that could only output one cadence. And he would just throw in the words and it would just blah, 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 for every single song. And then even on the slow ones, it was blah, 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 blah. And his lyrics are ridiculous. There's one. They're very repetitive, too. Yes. And there's one lyric that is like, the hammer's here and I'm on the mic. Going to give you what you like and you'll like it. That's his like, like he had like that's his follow up to that line. It, it, there's just no, it is really just how can I rhyme these like five lines and stretch them into of course a verse so I can get back to the chorus because this really is just dance music. Oh yeah, very so very much so. So maybe it's, it's not fair to 
judge him based on that, except that he considers himself to be a world-class MC. Sure. You know, but... However, I mean, people definitely, I mean, MC Hammer is kind of like the go-to person, maybe not now, but definitely for a long time. It was him or Vanilla Ice. (laughs) If you wanted to talk about like a weak rapper or just kind of like a joke rap career. Um, And so a lot of people dissed him, but it's not like he, he dissed people constantly. Oh, well, I mean, he especially, yeah. He was dissing around DMC and um, he, I think he maybe was always on the defensive because he maybe deep down knew he wasn't as good as all these other guys. Yeah. Um, but he, yeah, it's, you know what it's like when I was thinking about it, it's like the whole thing of him being a preacher and then becoming a rapper a lot of his raps sound like when you stumble on a YouTube video of a youth pastor rapping to make their kids laugh. Like it just sounds bad. It's like, it's like, yes, of course he was a preacher. And yes, of course he wrote a rap. <laughs> oh, so I was just giving you room if you wanted more. <laughs> I, I was hoping you would respond. And then I, <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah. It just sounds like, I mean, it just sounds like, almost parody rap except the lyrics are yeah but does it sound do you think it sounds like parody rap because it was so huge that that is what people especially white america who was not listening to rap it became equated with this is what rap is well i think at first he didn't have a white audience i mean when like his first album um let's get it started i think it was called well, I'm not talking about him like playing in in clubs and getting known. I'm talking about whenever he broke. Like, well, yeah, and they touch on it in the movie for about one second, where he's doing the Too Legit to Quit tour, and the entire audience is just a it's white kids. It's a it's a Christian festival. Yes, right. <laughs> That's what it looks like. But I think this is one thing that the movie never does, and probably the movie can't do, or is afraid to do, or. Most movies are bad at this, especially music movies. You're never told why he is good or why he is important. It's just kind of a given that, well, look look how much dancing he's doing, and he's a relentless hustler, and everyone like bought his albums. He must be good, but I'm never told. There's never like the reaction shot like Ray has a terrible, a series of terrible moments where it's like, this has never been done before. This is very important. Like people literally <laughs> right. like telling the audience, looking in the camera and saying why Ray Charles was a big deal. Whereas like, this is just has like, he's popular. Uh, like all of a sudden someone from Capitol records is like, well, we like what you're doing. Uh, we'll offer you a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. And then, but they end up like hardballing them and giving him $750,000. Like why was he, why was he so exceptional that they were willing to go that much over their original signing bonus? Probably because he was safe in terms of his lyrical content. I mean, somebody at Capitol said, finally, here is a black rapper that we can (laughs) really market to middle school white kids. (laughs) Don't you think? Yeah. 
I mean, I don't know how much they knew about him, you know, because it goes into him, um, how he sells his records from his trunk. And the way they act is that he, that he sells so much, uh, the way Hammer and his brother act is that he sells so much that $100,000, like he can make more than $100,000. Which I, yeah, they never really delve into that. There's a lot of uh, self-made myth-making that's going on under Hammer's hand, I think, in this movie. Sure. It's also very, this movie, you could tell it is co-written by him or very heavily written by him because this movie could be called Hammer Does No Wrong. (laughs) He's either, sometimes he's a genius businessman who doesn't stop and has all the numbers, but sometimes he's not and he gets in huge financial trouble. And he's a very moral person who like is kind of a babe in the woods but he's also a very, very smart person who knows show business. Like it really, it always wants to have it both ways with his story to make him look as good as possible. Yeah, this, like I said, this is the most authorized, yes, uh, biopic ever made. Literally, I think the worst thing that he does is he gets snippy with some of his dancers during rehearsal. Yes, he's he's a he's a hardworking perfectionist. Right, yeah, he cares too much. <laughs> yeah, and that's literally how they present it. Right. You're the opening act, Hammer, not the entire act. Dude, I'm just dancing and having fun. We're just doing a job. Your job is to set up my boards in the other band, but you suck the life out of the audience before they have a chance to do their thing. If the crowd ain't feeling what they're doing, you're burning them out, man. Not to mention you pissing off soul licks and to be smooth. There's an easy fix. So... He signs with them for the seven hundred fifty thousand to Capitol Records. He's on tour, so like he he opens for these two groups. One of the groups is To Be Smooth, and the other is Soul Lixer. Yeah, do you and know I, these groups? I could not find either of them online. Oh, do you think they're made up? Yeah, I don't know if he maybe he didn't put the real ones in there because he didn't want to diss them or something. Huh? Um, because he. He opens for them, but he basically wears out the crowd before they even go on. Right. So then they end up kind of switching headliners. You know, he just becomes a millionaire, basically. Like, that's the story. He becomes a millionaire. <laughs> and, you know, he his, his brother almost gets shot. Like, there's, like, little glimpses of, like, him still kind of living in this. Like, he can't escape the the dangers of living in poverty, even though he's... A millionaire. Right. It's kind of, and again, it gets to that authorized thing where it's like he's above the streets, but he also really understands the streets. He's actually pretty street. Which is so funny when you hear him rapping and like the the stuff he says, like, it just sounds like a guy who like, I know he's from Oakland and like he just sounds like a guy but he was a bat but he was a bat boy for a baseball team for a long time <laughs> and he was in, he was in the navy and like he did pretty well yeah i mean he just sounds like a guy who like is co-opting the streets and i mean i know that's what everyone's that's there that's their yeah what people have said forever him, but i mean but i do think that hammer is a genius marketer and I think he's a relentless marketer. And I also think that he takes everything extremely personally. 
Like you can't oh. you can't go from zero to the best selling album in that short amount of time without being a maniac. Oh, he in a good way, kind of. Like in a way I can respect his drive. Yeah, he's he he was a hustler. Like yeah, they he, point he out overcame when... being okay. <laughs> yeah. Through think, sheer enthusiasm. Honestly, I think like I, I don't want to cut uh hit, I don't want to sell him short on the music aspect of it. When when I listened to the albums this morning, it's the music, the beats that really really sell this. I mean, now the the first album has a ton of just basically three things being rearranged over and over again. <laughs> like a drum beat uh, some bass. And when you and, say first, do you mean feel my power? Or get it started. Oh, um, probably get it started. Cause that was like the first release release. Yeah. I think that's the first one I had. I was listening to, but, and it's like, it's like, it's like drums, a bass and, uh, uh orchestra stabs, like just, right. yeah. And it's like, <laughs> they figured out the most ways to do this. Like, it, like I could not believe how every song just kind of sounded like, the a refrain hmm. from the last one, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it was just every once in a while they would have a sample or something, and that like like when you go to the next album, it's there's there's a little bit more polish and there's more samples, there's more so the so please hammer don't hurt them is a little bit more um filled out it doesn't feel as as empty, which is funny that you say that the music is the thing that really helps drive it because that was a huge criticism as people are saying, Oh, he's just sampling these famous songs. So right. But not- that's because they didn't know about sampling. It's so <laughs> you know? yes. You know what I mean? He was just too early doing it. Now people don't care what you do in terms right. of ripping things right. off. Like Puff Daddy or whatever. I mean, in that time frame, but right. But like people were sampling, I mean, the first recorded rap song was a s- sampled. Oh, you know, sure, so like, sure, sure. But so this like, is very like wholesale taking the chorus of something. Yeah. It's funny also to hear him, the way this movie portrays him as this really moral Christian guy, and they only touch on a few songs that aren't Christian. All of this to say, listening to one of the songs this morning from Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him, the song called Soft and Wet. Yes, right. And as a kid... It got you horny. (laughs) I always knew what was going on with that song. But (laughs) you go from, we've got to pray to make it today, to Mm -hmm. I like my girls soft and wet. Right. And it takes them a while, by the way, because I was thinking, like, well, what does he mean by soft and wet? Like, obviously, we know what he means. But what does he really mean? And then he finally, in like the third verse or something, he describes it as like soft is like a baby skin. And then wet is when you let the hammer in. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> and it really is like, wow. Like, and I was like, okay, like he's married at this time. I mean, I know that this well, is just, yeah. all that stuff doesn't matter. But as, a, but as a Christian sure, yes. preacher. Right. Well, that was current day Hammer protecting his brand. Yeah. He's going to go real heavy on the religious stuff, which is also the only thread kind of holding this movie together. Yes. 
they don't talk much about him, his struggle with prob, which is what I'm assuming the struggle with that. You just you just get like a collection of concerned faces. You know, like oh, when, should I be doing this? <laughs> oh, whenever he's not acting Christian enough, sort of like, like especially like at the end of the when he's filming the video for Pumps and a Bump. Yes, and he's got that famous bathing suit. It's um, now hanging at the Smithsonian. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he sees his wife, his wife and kids show up, mm-hmm. and he's grinding, and he looks up at them, and he just thinks, "What have I done with my life?" Yeah. Look, I came up with this brother. I know him, and I'm not going to shove it down nobody's throat. We all got to agree on this. Now, you know it ain't nothing real about it. It's party pop. Man, I ain't talking about buying it. But if that's what that man feels, it's not our place to change it. Ain't nothing real about that either. My favorite turn in the movie is whenever he goes to sign with Def Jam. I'm sorry, uh, uh, Death, Death Row. Row. Death Row. He goes to sign with Death Row. So we meet Suge Knight. And he goes into the big board meeting and (laughs) there's a person sitting there and I go, is that supposed to be Tupac? And luckily this movie knows that it needs to say, what do you think, Tupac? Tupac? (laughs) That is one element of the story when I first saw this movie a long time ago. I I didn't know that he was friends with Tupac. Or he was so close to Tupac. I was hoping you would know more about that because I have a feeling. And this is not backed up on anything. But this movie really makes a meal out of his friendship with Tupac. Tupac is in the recording studio when they are mixing two pumps and a bump and it's 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 uh you know, hard work and hammer and sleepy tupac <laughs> sleeping on the couch and then they play basketball and then the movie basically infers that hammer almost saved tupac's life because he tells him not to go he's like let's he sees they're somebody hanging s- out the night that he gets killed yes and he sees someone staring at them and he goes hey let's go home early or whatever and then <laughs> tupac does and then we get like the the slow motion of tupac walking away i have a feeling as though that stuff all happened kind of or that stuff all happened for a couple minutes i have i i it, I think that he is doing that to make himself seem more important in the history of rap than he felt like he was being taken for. Do you have feelings on that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that he's playing up his relationship, but also he was signed to death row and Tupac was there too. So I don't see why they wouldn't have been friends if they were, you know, like if they weren't, I'm sure they were friendly, but the movie but, makes it seem as yeah. though they are like tight and they work together constantly. The truth is, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I don't really know. That, that's something I have to look up. There, it may be that they were really great friends. Maybe. And um, he was also yeah. signed to Death Row after Pumps and a Bump came out. Yeah, that's what that's what I was so up on. Like, because I, I, I that timeline that. does not work out. It's weird. It, it's the Funky Headhunter 
Is that a Death Row album? That's no. not, is it? No, it's because not. Because he never released the Death Row album. Right. No, uh, Funky Hunter is uh, Warner Brothers. Interesting. Yeah, because I have the Death Row unreleased album. Um, How is that? I didn't even listen to <laughs> okay. it. I just got, I lo- you know. It got burnout. <laughs> got hammered too hard. <laughs> Yeah, I said, please hammer, don't hurt him. (laughs) (laughs) And he did, he did, he freaking did. What did you make of the, like, I don't know, five-minute montage of him doing promos for shows across the country? There is a, oh, man. (laughs) If this really happened, it really happened, but I, I think it might be shorthand that the movie is giving you, is he does a worldwide tour and it shows him filming promos, which means that he is getting dressed in various stereotype, ethnic stereotype outfits, like a big sombrero. (laughs) Cowboy Uh, hat. Nothing more racist than a cowboy hat. (laughs) Uh, What are the other things that there were? He's, he's, he's going crazy with these, these promos getting dressed up in native garb. But it's like, so it's so long and I don't, it doesn't advance. Nothing is being advanced in this montage. Well, you could say that anytime they play a full song. There's yeah. a couple very indifferently filmed song and concert moments where we're not exactly talking Bohemian Rhapsody here. Like, <laughs> it's two cameras on either side of the stage and they're reenacting. And also, sometimes there's like real concert footage. Did you notice that? Sometimes they would cut in. I couldn't. I, I was trying to figure that out because. Well, it's when the film grain dramatically changes. <laughs> <laughs> they, they're they cutting so fast. Yeah. I, like, it makes me think that they only filmed about a minute of this performance. They just cut back and forth. <laughs> they're just like, look, look, I can only do so much of the hammer dance. <laughs> so, like, you're going to have to cut in and out. Do you think that they ever got in a double hammer, a, a, stunt, a stunt double? It's possible. This actor's. Uh, Romani Malco yeah. uh, plays Hammer, who I think does the most he can possibly do. I think he is doing a good job. He was good. Did, um, did you ever see, I can't remember what movie it is, but at the end, during the credits, he's in the movie. It might be like 40-Year-Old Virgin or something. Yeah, he's in that. And in the end of the movie, he, I don't know what's going on, but he appears as Hammer and does the Hammer dance. Really? Yes. And I was, it, I lost my that's mind. Because I was like, oh my gosh, like, that's the guy who played Hammer. And like, it was like this inside joke. And I, uh, uh, I loved it. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's doing much more work than this movie deserves. Yeah. Uh, what did you, did, okay. So w- they get to the two legit years and or year or whatever and this is our first appearance of his backup dancer with the crazy hair is that no bones was that his name i don't know i was trying to look him up online i could not all i could find is people saying hey remember the this guy i could not find out who he was and what happened to him but he does he still have this hair he was the most popular backup dancer he was definitely in the taco bell commercials right because he has the hair like what else I mean, if I was one of the other dancers, I'd be like, hey, you got to cut your hair, dude. <laughs> none of us all, none of us has this hair. Oh, because it's too <laughs> attraction. It's yeah, too you're attractive. the only one that anyone could look at. <laughs> all the people on his crew, like he's got. So that's one of the biggest 
biggest things about Hammer's story is that he he's he and this is a a good thing about him in, in, this, in some sense is that he brought all of his friends from the neighborhood and from his church to be on tour with him and even people who weren't really doing anything like his friend Freddie who had no talents whatsoever right he's like all he, all he does is he stands next to the engineer and then he like during the mixing and he and then he's trying to like he also is supposed to watch the door and he doesn't even watch the door and like all these people show up to his dance routine yeah a bunch of uh, white 12 year old girls show up to his <laughs> rehearsal and then and then like i love it they're like oh he's off selling drugs now cuz he needs to make money cuz he cuz he's not he's not making enough money just standing there so he goes to do a drug deal and even in the drug deal he's just standing there he's not even helping the drug dealer <laughs> so he's not even like he's not even a good drug dealer this guy's got nothing Except a friendship with Hammer. Professional friend. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's at one point he's paying half a million a month just for his friends. Right. And this movie spins it as uh, he cares too much. He's too generous, if anything. Not this guy is terrible with money and decisions. <laughs> so do you remember when they premiered this video? Which one? For I'm sorry, for Too Legit to Quit. No. They did like a big release on MTV or something. It was like when they, it, it wasn't as big as the Michael Jackson black or white, like after the Simpsons or something. Yeah. Um, they would do big it, premieres though. Yeah. But this one was a pretty big one. I remember them counting down to it and five, four, three, two, legit. I, I'm just kidding. That's not what they did. But, um, they should have. <laughs> I know. Right. Uh, so do you remember the video? Like in the video, there are so many. Like, oh, I, I think it's one of the most expensive music videos because there's right. a million cameos, right? And if anyone thought, wondered why his audience was so white, hmm. I mean, his friends, celebrity friends were, it's like OJ Simpson's level of like, like who was in it? Wasn't it just like Billy uh, Ray Cyrus and stuff like that? Like, like wasn't well, it like. I'm looking at it now, it got James Brown, you got. Uh, Jim Belushi. Yeah, just a classic. Uh, you got Tony Danza. <laughs> Some of the biggest celebrities that uh, black people just cling the wall, to. The Wahlbergs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, it, it, like, it's no wonder this guy, like, he, he really did just, it just, it was just the money, even though he wanted so hard to cling to his Oakland roots. Right. Oh, right. This is where James Brown throws a fireball in his chest and he becomes too legit to quit. And he goes, he's also looking for Michael Jackson. Oh, he is. Yes. Because he's doing the too legit hand move and he has a big rhinestone glove on. Oh, that's right. There's a fake Michael Jackson. Yes. And, um, the story is that Michael Jackson called him and said he was okay with it. Because he was a fan of Hammer, mm-hmm. according to Hammer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't not in the movie. It's not in the movie. But according to Hammer, this is what went down. <laughs> this, the, the, this tour for Too Legit to Quit, that's the tour that I saw him on. 
Oh, you saw him? Yes, I saw him perform, and and his opening acts acts were Boys to Men and Jodeci. Okay, a monster show. Yeah, it was at Richfield Coliseum, where the Cavs used to play, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I was at the top, basically the nosebleed section, mm-hmm. and it was one of the best shows I've ever seen. Like it was from opening to close. Like Boys to Men was great, Jodeci was great. The in between, in between the performers, they had a DJ playing music, and the music was amazing. It was like everyone was dancing the entire time and then hammer comes down in this huge globe it opens up he starts you know like i heard people in cleveland can't get down or whatever he says and then he says let's get it started cleveland and then just like like everyone's losing their minds this like it doesn't matter how good of a rapper he is his greatest strength is his performance he was amazing sure yeah amazing one of the stories that i think that's really interesting in all of this is um so he's getting dissed by all these rappers and third base um this is not in the movie by the way no this is not in the movie third base actually calls him out on a song they have in the video they're like beating up a hammer a big hammer and so hammer mc hammer is not pleased well you left out the big part because plenty of people were dissing hammer. Right. It wasn't like when MC is in the room, like everyone is there, but uh, Pete nice says something about um, turning says, out hammers mother. Yes. Which is a reference to his song. And so that is what, which is called t- turn this mother out. Cause when I, f- yes. I didn't, I didn't know that song title. So whenever I first heard that he talked about turning out hammers, mom, I was like, whew, that's pretty rough. <laughs> but I was like, Oh, he's just like throwing it back at him. Yeah. And so hammer is not happy and he puts out a hit on third base. Yes. <laughs> which is from the Crips. Yes. And which is great. So $50,000, 50 K hit. Yeah. And you can hear the story online from third base or from search MC search. He tells it and it's wild how it all goes down. A much more compelling narrative than this movie. This video (laughs) of just a guy sitting in a chair telling a story for about 25 minutes. Yes. He tells a better story than the people telling this story. You're right. And there's like, you can, it's great. You get, there's like, uh, audio from the radio appearance where hammer confronts search. There's all this stuff online. Definitely check it out. Um, but his his kind of like Christian persona behind the scenes is very very uh, shaky. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> no question. My favorite thing because they jump to an interview with current day Hammer talking about this incident, and he is denying, of course, denying that he yes. put a hit out on this guy's life because, as the guy says. Uh, there's no statute of limitations on attempted murder. Right. Um, so Hammer is denying that this ever happened, but his biggest defense for why he didn't do it was because Third Base's album sales were only this many units. So it <laughs> would not uh, deign his attention because Hammer's unit sales were this many units. This is a 
almost 60-year-old man years <laughs> after the fact who, when somebody asks him about this on a dime, can tell you how many units third base had sold that month. <laughs> right. That is the most petty kind of person. And it made so much sense why he was this maniacally career focused. This is a, cl- that's a, actually a classic. Um, that's a classic thing to do a classic diss when your music isn't as good as someone else's. Yeah. Is especially right. in hip hop is to diss them for sales. Uh, yes. How many sales they have. That's cla- um, like from anyone. That's a very insecure statement. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I, and I would hear that all the time with, I would say, Oh, this is such a better album. And someone would go, yeah, but no one knows about it or whatever. And you're like, okay, well, I guess, <laughs> I guess you win. I guess that's the, I guess you're right. It sucks. This album sucks. Would you happen to know there is one moment in this movie that I thought was really, really good? Can you guess what part I really liked? Is it the part where he's playing basketball in his old Oakland haunt (laughs) and he looks on the wall and someone has dissed him on graffiti? Because it says hammer time and they crossed out hammer and wrote money. (laughs) So it says money time and they look sad. By the way, as if. That wouldn't be something he'd be like, yeah, it's money time. <laughs> no, there is, a, there is a moment that I thought was genuinely really well written to the point where it must be taken from an actual interview because there's no way this script is good enough to have written the dialogue. He's, he's a newspaper reporter is interviewing him backstage and he has the speech about why People will diss him for not being street enough, but he says, believe me, the street pulls right up to the back of the bank. Oh, yeah. And it was such a well-delivered and well-written piece of dialogue, I figure it must be from an actual interview that Hammer did. Or it's... Or that's something he thought to say after the interview and was like, well, the next time I get a chance to say something, <laughs> I'm going to say that. And he never got a chance until this movie. I, the rest of the movie is so woodenly written. I just figured it was pulled from something else <laughs> or somebody else said it. I bought that. I bought the Funky Head Hunter album um, with the pump, pumps and a bump because yeah. it, I, I, when I, even when we're listening to it again during the movie, I actually like the freaking song. It's, it is a bad song, but man, I like the song. It, the music's nice. The <laughs> it sounds it's 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 aged way better than any of his other hits. <laughs> well, it's actually a produ- It's actually produced like yeah. whereas. Well, I guess t- I was thinking about this too. Like the Too Legit to Quit album altogether is the most produced of well produced of all of them because there's lots of instrumentation. There's lots of stuff happening in the background. So this this follows up on that where there's like it's not just a drums and some orchestra stabs, right? Um, but uh, I had this album in high school and people made fun of me for having it. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, I remember seeing the Pumps and a Bump video on MTV, and I was not following Hammer closely at all, but it was so strange, and it seemed like such a very obvious, very disingenuine 
image change? Well, I, I th- absolutely. And also, it, it didn't matter if it was or not, it was bad. So, like, right. I, I was I, I was notorious. For, I was such a rap music fan that I pretty much just liked and bought everything I could find. Okay. So, like, I was always buying the, the worst records. Like, this one, I bought the freaking uh, Gerardo record. <laughs> like, I was buying the worst, like, stuff that's basically novelty, just, cause, just to get my hands on anything that was rap music. Well, we're mighty glad to have you back. You're quite a hero around here. Yeah, I feel like I let a lot of people down, actually. Sometimes you did. But I think I know a way you might make it up to him. This movie ends with uh, Hammer realizing he's spending too much money and selling stuff. And then he goes back to church uh, where the priest tells or the pastor tells him, you're a hero. (laughs) And then Hammer starts rap preaching, like hyping up the church and... he does that song again. Do not he pass does, me by. Yeah, does don't pass me by. Full yeah. orchestration. Yep. And then we pull back, <laughs> and then we are told how many awards and albums Hammer has sold throughout his lifetime, and he has a new album coming out. Active Duty. Active Duty. This movie feels very much like a, uh, just like your normal direct-to-video Christian studio movie of the time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's so many parallels to the Christian industry. And even in my own experience of being a Christian rapper, the the thing of him rapping to an enti- a crowd of entire crowd of white people yeah. was my experience every night that mm-hmm. I would rap. It was just a huge crowd filled with white people who um clapped to the beat. Yes, and the way had, you're not supposed to. <laughs> and had no Right, and had no interest in rap music other than they're at church that night, except for DC Talk. Oh, right. Like I said, no interest in rap rap music. Ah, now Where are you at, DC Talk? His own little diss. (laughs) Um. Hey, look. I should say I'm I'm friends with Toby Mac. I (laughs) I uh, would never. uh, Um. Anyway. <laughs> this was just it, it really was a it's like one of those books your kid buys at a book fair that's like huh. a, that tells you about a famous yeah. person yeah. and it's about 10 pages long i found this movie really frustrating and i i have this problem a lot where i watch something and i know no one was trying to go for an emmy or an oscar or do something like world class i'm sure this was shot very quickly but i think that there is such an interesting story that you could tell about this person's career and about what it's like to be this massive black entertainer who feels as though they are just being made fun of and primarily appealing to a white audience. And even like talking about his, what relationship did he have with people on death row? I'm sure that was 
a fascinating back and forth <laughs> to, to listen to them to listen to them talk. I would love to see somebody actually do something with his story, but I I don't know. I don't know if that's ever going to really happen. Maybe he, maybe he has to die first. Maybe I mean you can make a movie about somebody without their permission. Yeah, but I mean, would you want to have a hit put out on you by the Crips? Uh, good point. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just I feel like there's not. He would be incensed, is what you're saying. If, yeah, yeah. An honest movie came out about it, and there's no. I feel like. We've heard the story so much, like in behind in the VH1's behind the music and and in this movie, and, and it's just like a it's lore, you know, like yeah. But the story, story. Is, it's always money. It's always right. just about I, how he bought a big house, he put hammer time on the gate, and then he lost it. Like that is not the most interesting part. I to agree. Me. I'm saying that I feel like we squandered our chances to get the the good movie. Like, no one's going to be like, oh, yeah, let's make another MC Hammer movie. But if he dies, then maybe. <laughs> so what I'm saying is maybe it's time for Hammer to go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I've, I've got to call out to the Bloods here in Titusville, Florida. Did yeah. you enjoy watching this movie a second time? Did you enjoy um, watching it the first time? I should ask that. Yeah, I'm sure I did when I was a kid. I mean, I enjoyed watching it this time. I, when you were a kid, it came out in 2001. Yeah, I was just a young whippersnapper. Just give me a break. <laughs> you were a kid. Well, you know, a little cowboy outfit pointing a gun at the uh, <laughs> TV. <laughs> bang, bang. I, I, I No, what I mean is, like, um, being closer to my interest in him than I am now. Okay. You know, but I don't know. I, it was okay. I, I, it's hard when you're watching these movies and you're just thinking, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that was, that's whenever I watch biopics, I always think I've, I've squandered my life. Oh, because you weren't, uh, pushing it as a, as a young man hard enough. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I'm always jealous of people who have the ability to focus on something for more than an hour. Sure, right. <laughs> but, I don't know, yeah, it just, like, I always think, well, what would I, what would I have done if I had actually focused on, you know, actually pursued something I enjoyed, but probably the same thing I'm doing now, I don't know. You could be a weird joke reference. Yeah, <laughs> I could have gotten dissed by third base. <laughs> yeah. So that's that. Too legit. Too legit. He did kind I, of quit. How well, many albums? Let's, let me see how many albums Hammer has out now. Because he keeps releasing stuff. I had a friend. His fist at God. One, two, I had a friend who um, opened for him. Eleven. How uh, How was it? Um, recently, th right? This was, yeah, well, it was in the last 10 years, but, or even before then, I would say maybe 15, but he, he, I can't remember exactly what he said about him, but that he was very like, kind of like, tr 
acting kind of fatherly, not like he's paternal. Uh, I can see that, but trying to give him advice. Yeah. Um, that wasn't really applicable, <laughs> based, <laughs> you know, based on the kind of music my friend was doing, whatever, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't helpful advice, but that's just the old guard, you know? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'd like to, say as a way to close this out that mm-hmm. hammer as you said he is kind of has that old show business paternal he's helped axe out on his his way up and on uh his career still yeah he he paid for the movie better luck tomorrow yeah and that, uh that was a really big surprise that was not in the movie <laughs> <laughs> that was also not that's not how the movie closes <laughs> yeah but i'd like to point out that he helped produce two acts one is called Ho frat who? <laughs> and of course, the rapper Wee Wee. <laughs> Can't forget Wee Wee. Did you? It. So huh? in this, I think that's interesting in the story. To really close this podcast out, thank you. Um, in the story, with their bass tells that he is trying to call off the hit. So he tries to call Russell Simmons, and Russell Simmons calls a guy who is either in charge of that crew of hits, or he can stop it from happening. But his conditions are is that he gets to sit next to Michael Jackson at the AMAs. Yes. And that um, he gets help in producing his record called We're All in the Same Gang. And that song is all about it's like a not. It's a song about nonviolence, right? <laughs> Which is so funny. In order to call off this violent hit, he's got to get. He has to allow him to make his song about anti-gang violence and like. There's so much. There's so much like, I don't know, not hypocrisy, but like dual natures happening, in in this movie. And that's why I think that he would make a fascinating subject for a movie because he does seem to be playing it both ways, kind of like whatever he feels will make him the most money. Yeah. Um, And that's pretty fascinating. Yeah. Well, thank you, Zachariah. Fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Fun Mm -hmm. stuff.